and welcome to a new edition of Talking About Cars. I'm Randy Cardoon, and everybody has a car story. But first, you may remember that Chevrolet jingle from the 70s, baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. And you may also know that General Motors was behind the Holden car in Australia. So much so, believe it or not, while the Holden didn't really resemble the Chevrolet in appearance, they would borrow their ad campaign from time to time. We love football, meat, pies, kangaroos, and holding cars. Football, meat, pies, kangaroos, and holding cars. Well, there's also a South Africa version involving rugby, sunny skies, and sure enough, Chevrolet. Check it out on YouTube. In this edition of Talking About Cars, great show on Velocity. Have you seen it? Called Phantom Works. The owners of a restoration shop put together some rather unique restorations. Dan Short will be joining me. By the way, that's Phantom with an F, not a PH. In fact, I'll ask Dan what the story about the spelling of that is all about. But first... If you live in the Los Angeles area, Saturday, June 4th, I'll be hosting a great car show at the Warner Center Park in Woodland Hills. It's sponsored by the Los Angeles Police Department and includes a great display of LAPD gear you can see up close and personal. You can even bid to spend the day with their SWAT team, get a ride in police cars and all that. Officer Kevin Van Clavern joins me. Kevin, how long have you been putting this show together? You know, this is my fourth year. Uh, the, the car show's been going on for uh, this is the 13th year. But uh, I've been taking it on, I, or I took it on about four years ago. Uh, and over the last um, four or five years, it's just grown uh, every year. So we're excited um, for this coming year. And uh, we're proud of all the work that we've done for the last 13 years to make it uh, a successful car show that it is. Yeah, you've been getting a, a certainly more and more people coming to the show. Uh, how many cars do you expect this year? You know, this is where uh, we're anticipating. Uh, we're trying to hit that 400 mark. Uh, last year, we were about uh, 360, 370. So, um, you know, we're, we're having that goal of uh, getting 400. Um, and that doesn't include the cars that uh, Exotic Euro Cars, uh, which is one of our sponsors, they bring about about eight different uh, exotic cars. And then Vista Ford, uh, which is our other key sponsor, they bring about, you know, 10 different uh, cars. Uh, and that doesn't include... Uh, you know, CHP is coming this year, bringing about eight different uh, of their police vehicles with their canine unit. Um, but just uh, classic cars, and we're, we're trying to hit that 400 mark. You know, there are several guys, and I and I know the, that they do a parade in, in Hollywood. You know, they have the old LAPD car parade and the old CHP parade, and they bring all those cars. Would those cars be there as well? Yeah. Uh, the guy from Pasadena, there's a handful of guys that uh, bring their uh, – they're old uh, PD um, classics, so, yeah, those are included as well. You know, I always wonder when I look at those old cars and I watch the old police shows, the Adam 12s, the Highway Patrols, which way go, you know, go way back before we were born, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah but I always, <laughs> when you see those, do you ever, with the cars you have now, I mean, you're, you guys are, if I remember right, LAPD is still driving the uh, the Dodge Chargers, the uh, there, there, you guys were running Fusions for a while, and there was a, even a, a Chevy um, Impala for a while, or, or a Malibu. Uh, which was the best LAPD car, in your opinion? Well, you have to go with the Crown Vicks. Um, I mean, as far as <laughs> you know, my age, uh, I'm sure if we uh, talk to some old-timer, they probably have a different opinion. But you know, uh, the new cars that we're shifting over to uh, are the Ford Explorers. Um, 
but uh, you know the Crown Vicks are always uh, a go-to uh, for for my era. Well, you guys had gosh, how long did you have the Crown Vicks? So what, 12, 15 years? It's like they never had a body change. <laughs> Good grief! I don't think they, I don't think they, they needed to. I think uh, with how many different uh, uh, PDs uh, were using them. Like you know, why change something that uh, seems to be going well? Now, were you on this uh, uh, with the police when they were running the the Chevy Caprices back in the day? No, no, that's uh, before my time. Uh, yeah, because I could even go back because growing up, I remember when they were running Chryslers in the '60s and Plymouths in the '60s, and and uh, good grief, did you ever hear stories about the AMC Matadors? No, no, I didn't. I, I think toward the end of Adam 12, I saw them do it, but I do remember growing up in L.A., and, and they actually drove around in these AMC Matador four-doors, which, I, I'll, you know, someday I'm going to take one of the, the old-school guys and ask them about that, because that, that, to me, would just, I'd love to hear those stories. It's always fascinating to hear uh, all the old-timers, you know, with their their different stories, whether it was uh, the communications of or, or the lack of communications that they had that we are so lucky to have now, or uh, you know, just uh, the different vehicles that they had and what they, you know, just the history that that uh, that they share. It's always fascinating. What is the one thing you have today that that back in the day you don't have that you take pretty much for granted? Uh, communications. I mean, you know, you hear the stories of you know guys would have to write uh, their location and a description of the vehicle that they were stopping, you know, on a little notepad inside their car. Whereas, you know, we uh, communicate through, uh, you know, whether it's our MDC or whether it's uh, through, obviously, uh, audio communication. So, I mean, communication is pretty uh, essential that uh, I think is taken for granted if you reflected back, you know, in the 60s and, and even before. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you went through time travel and showed up in one of those AMC Matadors and all of a sudden couldn't, like, two-way somebody or something like that, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Coming up, of course, it's my great pleasure to uh, be the MC for this, and this is going to be so much fun because I've been to the show. I brought cars to the show. Uh, not only what makes this show different than your typical car show, and from the sound of it, you're going to have all sorts of different vehicles there is the LAPD the SWAT equipment uh, some of the off-road units you're going to have there and even and also the motorcycle drill team let's start off with like you're going to have a helicopter there so people could see and some of the off-road stuff tell us about that yeah uh, our helicopter is going to be uh, be there on display it's going to land on uh, Friday um, and then it'll be uh, all set up for a uh, Saturday um, we have our canine our mounted unit um, uh, K, uh, SWAT, the bomb squad is going to be there with all of their uh, their tools and um, toys. Uh, so there's going to be a lots of uh, different uh, police equipment there that uh, folks can uh, learn more about, jump in, and uh, get a better understanding of the tools that we have. And the motorcycle drill team is going to run through some things. And that's, that's kind of fun to watch if you've never seen that before. It is. It's always fascinating to watch uh, you know, all the spectators line up. Uh, it'll be up on uh, Khalifa. Uh, and it's, you know, like I said, it's fascinating to see the, the spectators just there watching the, the motorcycle drill team perform, uh, you know, their, um, their drill and to see how close that they get. And it, it is really uh, entertaining to watch. 
Kevin Van Claveren joining us here on Talking About Cars this week. The show will be on June 4th, and I'll get a chance to emcee that. If you get a chance, you're in the area, come on out. Uh, come out and say hi. Come out and look at the cars if you don't have one of your own. And, of course, a lot of people can actually register, Kevin, for putting their own cars in this. And where are we at as far as uh, the deadline for getting that in, or can they show up on show day? Uh, they can show up on uh, show day. Uh, and if they went online to uh, org, they can register there. Uh, or if they don't register online, they can show up uh, the day of. Um, and, of course, uh, the earlier the better. Um, we uh, close registrations uh, at 7 o'clock. So, um, In the morning. Prior, yeah, um, prior to 7. And, you know, just something to add real quickly is, if anybody's looking for an opportunity to uh, win an auction, to have a ride-along in our LAPD helicopter, have a day with SWAT, um, we're also adding this year a day at EVOC uh, where they'll be able to um, spend the day up at our driving facility. So if somebody is looking to uh, to win a, a live auction to get the life cha- uh, you know the chance of a lifetime to uh, be in an LAPD helicopter, um, uh, definitely uh, make an appearance uh, and a, and. Uh, partake in that live uh, auction oh yeah definitely partake because i'm going to be doing that right so i I should be practicing yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) i've i've watched i've watched the guys over the years who have emceed and i've watched that and i've gone wow that that's certainly interesting and i've i've gone to the car auction so you know i'm now doing my best spanky acider which is the guy that used to work over at uh, barrett jackson in the day and and so i'm 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 practicing i'm looking at old tapes okay i just want to let you know (laughs) I'm working on it. And, and doing we'll, your homework. I'm doing, doing my homework. Yeah. I want to make sure. And, I, and I'm looking through here. By the way, there are so many, there are some really nice uh, classes here. You have the usual year classes. You have modified muscle. You have uh, VWs, Asian and English. You have motorcycle class. You have AC Cobras, lowriders. There's a lowrider class. So if you're going to have an opportunity to, if you have a lowrider vehicle and if you have emergency vehicles, you can uh, you know bring the vehicle there. The only thing you're missing, I believe, is the uh, guest host class so if they bring a car i don't see one but you know we could work on that for next year yeah yeah we're working on it right now all right <laughs> kevin we always ask this of people who come on the show and and i always want to know in your personal car story when you were growing up what did your folks drive what was your first car uh my first car was a uh, 66 mustang and it was funny because my parents uh when they bought it, they made sure it had the inline six because, uh, you know, they didn't want any trouble with the V8. So my first car was an inline six. And, uh, it was so funny because, you know, obviously being a first car, um, and, and learning the whole classic, uh, car world at that time, I didn't even know they had a V8. I think my parents were, you know, keeping out a secret saying, no, 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 they come with an inline six, <laughs> keep me out of trouble. So, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Famous last lines from the parents to to believe, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then when I learned about it, thinking, are you kidding me? I could have dropped that inline six and put a V8 the whole time. How long did you keep that car? You know, I had that car for about two to three years. And, uh, you know, having an old classic car as your first car wasn't, uh, you know, favorable when they, uh, at the time, the big uh, raised black, uh, you know, four-wheel trucks were coming out. So, I uh, stupidly got rid of um, the Mustang for a uh, a Toyota uh, raised black truck, and I kick myself now for that. 
That's not bad. That's like the Back to the Future truck, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you guys remember that? The one that Michael J. Fox kept in the garage and the, and the other guy kept shining up all the time? Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Rem- I remember that. That, that was but a... Cl- I kicked- I kicked myself today. I, I should have kept it. You know, I will say this. I was out at uh, a car show in uh, in Canyon Country. Uh, this is a restaurant out there called Route 66. And there was actually a 67, I believe, 67 Mustang that actually had its original six-cylinder. And I, and I got to tell you, and as anybody who's ever been to a car show, you never see that anymore, those no. cars. No, not an inline six. No, and so that that was kind of neat. What what is the car that you got rid of that you would like to have back? Would it would it be that Mustang or was there another vehicle? No, the Mustang. Certainly the Mustang. Okay. What do you what do you drive now? Um, <laughs> you know, I have a. Uh, I mean, aside a, from the Crown Vicks and the yeah. uh, the police vehicles. You know, I have a a 1964 convertible, uh, all original uh, Thunderbird, the Big Bird. And uh, it's a '95 pointer, and it's it's all original. It's wow! And uh, I hate to take it out, just you know, for the mere fact of you know you, you don't see them often. And what's so funny is my son. Um, we, we just fell upon the car. I wasn't looking for that car. Actually, I was looking for a Le Mans to goad it, and um, I fell upon this. And it, it was a deal that I couldn't refuse. It was when everybody was losing their houses, and so this this guy was uh, desperate to sell. And so it was just fortunate for me at the time. So what's ironic is when my son and I, uh, you know, cruise it around, he everybody that gives us a thumbs up, uh, you know, he's like, Dad, we had, you know, 75 fans. So everybody gives us a thumbs up as a fan to us. So uh, that's what I have uh, now is the, uh, the Big Bird. And you know, like I said, you don't see many of those uh, out on the road, so it certainly uh, gets attention. Is that going to be at the show? You know what? I'm working that day, and uh, oh, you know, okay. I, I'm – I'm pretty uh, uh, OCD about uh, people touching and looking at it. So uh, you repainted it then, right? I bought it. Um, it, it yeah, it was it was a frame off uh, restoration. Wow. Um, and that was done uh, prior to me uh, buying it about nine years ago. So, like I said, it was it was somebody else's uh, misfortune ended up being my fortune. Thanks so much for your time. And just to recap uh, what's coming up, Saturday, June 4th, uh, out at the Warner Center Park, the Valley Traffic Advisory Council here in Los Angeles. They're putting together a car show and safety fair. Um, and, Kevin, really, I, I think for those who are interested or have questions, where would they go? Uh, they can go to the website, um, vtac-vtd.org, uh, or um, you can call Ed uh, at 818-968-1568. He takes care of all the registrations for us. So if you have any questions about registrations, call Ed, and his number again is 818-968-1568, or the webpage, which is uh, www.vtac hyphen Officer Kevin Van Clavern of the LAPD. Coming up June 4th, hope to see you out there with a car or just to come out and look at the cars we bring out. Come out and say hi. And now... In the world of car restoration shows, this is a different one. A new season starting soon on the Velocity Channel for Phantom Works. Phantom Works is a restoration shop located in Norfolk, Virginia. And its owner and host of the show is Dan Short. All right, Dan, so how far back does your love of classic cars go? It actually started while I was in the military. Um, I, uh, I, I got my first collector car at 19. It was a 67 Camaro. 
And I, I, it was a bit of a funny story. The guy I bought it from asked me what I was going to do with it. And I told him I was going to restore it. And he thought that was admirable. 19-year-old guy's going to go restore a car. And, and when I got home, I realized I had no idea how to open the hood. And so I had to call him and ask him how to open the hood. And he laughed at me on the phone and said, you're going to restore the car? And I said, yeah, just, just tell me how to open the hood. I'll restore the car. And uh, so that's really how it all started. And I, I ended up just becoming almost a shop groupie. I mean, I swept floors. I did whatever I could to hang out in shops and learn the trade. And then I read every book I could get my hands on and went to night school uh, to do things like uh, auto body repair and just learn every trade I could in the car world. And eventually, just through years and years of practice, actually you know, started doing it on my own. So we're growing up as a kid, were you a Matchbox kid or a Hot Wheels kid? Oh, I actually much preferred Matchbox, the solid axles of the Matchbox. The Hot Wheels, they went faster, but I didn't really like the quality of the Hot Wheels as much. So yeah, I was a Matchbox and a Corgi guy from the old English Corgi, stuff. Yeah. yeah, the old English uh, stuff from World War II uh, era. Yeah, that's what I collected as a kid. Okay, do you still have a lot of those? Oh, I've got every single one of them. Yes, I've got boxes. And in fact, I have my dad's collection that he started uh, in the 40s. So I've got an amazing collection that goes back now 80 years. What, what stuff does he have in his collection? I mean, Matchbox, if I remember, I'd only went to the early 50s. So what, what does he have? Oh, it was before that. It was, uh, I think, Corgi and I think Lindsay or something like that. It was, it was the, the cars that actually came out right during the Depression. Um, he was collecting cars then, and, and I've got his collection. So oh, That is so great. Have you ever like thought of putting, building a display case for him and showing him? I've got a few display cases, but for the most part, they're still waiting for the man cave that I'm just finally now setting up. You can tell I kind of do the same thing myself. I, I have all the Matchbox cars when I was a kid, and we lived in a geodesic dome house at one point, and we built shelves into the side of the dome house on the inside, and they were great. We lit them up, we put them all in there, and it was just, trust me, from a Matchbox kid growing up, just awesome. Now, why did Matchbox is not in the Toy Hall of Fame yet? I think, frankly, that's an outrage. It is wrong, yeah, because they were, they were just stunning uh, little pieces of hand-worked uh, art uh, that date back. Yeah, I, I thought roughly almost till World War II, but uh, were they 50s? Um, they came out in um, the early, well, Lesney is what it was. Uh, Lesney had them and they built other things, but Matchbox, I believe, came out uh, early 50s. And then they little by little started, you know, with the metal wheels and the black plastic wheels and then all sorts of other stuff. So, um, but Enough with Matchbox trivia. So your first car then, was your first car a Camaro? I mean, you, you talk about not getting involved in the hobby until uh, you were 19 in, in the military. Well, in high school, I actually was a motorcycle guy. Uh, I, I bought my first vehicle. It was a CB750K. Uh, a 1975 CB750K, and I bought it when I was 14. And my dad allowed me to ride it uh, without a license or insurance. Uh, my, my dad was very, very, um, he, he pretty much let me do whatever I needed to do. Because other than with wheels, I was a good kid. But when it came to wheels, oh, tickets and me were not exactly um, strangers. Yeah. Did you take your uh, prom date uh, to the prom in the motorcycle? I actually did, yes. Um, really? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I not only took my prom uh, on the motorcycle, um, when I got married and had a daughter, 
that was still the only vehicle I owned at that point was a Honda six-cylinder CBX. And a uh, little embarrassing to tell you that that's the only vehicle we had for about the first year of our, our marriage. And so when we had to move and transport the family, we did it on the motorcycle at one time. Well, when you say this, this is a vision that comes into my head. So your wife is pregnant. You got to get her to the hospital. Did you do it on the motorcycle? <laughs> Can you bet? Here's the visual of the day. Dan's wife is pregnant. She needs to go to the hospital now, honey. And you, you took a, take a look at the garage, and there's the bike. Um, no, we. I actually, because I was in the military, I was a, I was a, I was a private at the time when she gave birth. So um, the the sad part is, is that after she gave birth, I still we didn't have the money to buy another vehicle. Um, so we used only my motorcycle and occasionally borrowed a pickup from my buddy when we had to move something big. But no, my family moved on the motorcycle, even the three, all three of us. So let's go to the Camaro that you couldn't open the hood on. Why a Camaro? Um, I was born in 62. So in 1967, I was five years old and that was the first image I remember seeing in my life of a car that meant anything to me. I saw a 67 Camaro and that that vision implanted in my brain and I never let go of it. And and that was the car I always wanted. And when I finally had the money for my first uh, car, I bought a 67 Camaro and I still have it to this day. Do you really? That's that's a wise choice, by the way. 67 Camaro is great. I, I'm always curious, though, what was it about it that kind of just went, something pinged in your head? Oh, the quarter panels. You, you look at a Camaro, and it's got uh, a very sexy uh, sort of pinched waist and that wide... Uh, hip, you know, the, the quarter panel. And, and there's just, uh, you know, somehow there's, in, in a guy's brain, there is, there is this cell that tracks the shape of a certain car. And for me, my brain cell locked onto a 67 Camaro, and I've, I've never let go of that vision. It's still, to me, the most beautiful car in the world. And the fact that you still have it today, I mean, how cool is that? Have you left it the way it was? Have you worked on it? What have you done? I couldn't leave it the way it was because it was the biggest smoking piece of crap you'd ever seen. It was... Uh, it drank a quart of oil. The guy told me it, it, it drank oil, and, and I didn't realize just what he meant. It used more than a quart every 10 miles. Oh my God. Um, so, I mean, it was just a smoke generator going down the road. It was in three colors. It had no interior. The wires were hanging loose. It ran, but that was an arguable statement of whether you could actually say it was a running vehicle. Um, so, no, I, I still have it, and, yes, I restored it. Uh, you know, when you're 19, restoring a car takes a different connotation than it does today. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I restored it, and I, and I drove it for several years, um, and then re-restored it, because uh, that was in 1980, the first time I, I built it. Then I re-restored it probably in the late 80s, um, drove it again for almost 10 years, but it's been parked now, waiting for the day that I, I do my third and final restoration on it. Third and final, what makes you think there won't be a fourth one if you decide to change things? Because number one, when we build cars, we actually build them to last about 40 years. I mean, when you're 19, you know, you're buying the cheapest paint you can and you're, you're patching floors and you're doing what you have to. When, when we rebuild it the next time, it will be built just like a brand new car and I'll take care of it. It'll never need another restoration. That's great. That's great. When you first got it though, what kind of engine did it have in it and what does it have in it now? Um, I still have that same engine. It had the original. It was an SS350 Camaro. It was an RSSS. Um, had the right motor in it, and I still have that motor in it today. So you move on from there. How many cars, and better yet, 
what cars do you have in your garage right now? Wow, that's a it's a bit of an embarrassing question because, of course, I, I love cars. And um, there's the expression my brother used to have car poor, meaning meaning that he had cars and about nothing else in his whole life. And that's that's a little bit of the way I live. Um, I mean, I, I have a 63 Corvette, which is, you know, a dream that I never thought I would realize. Um, I have several Camaros. Well, that's a split window, right? That's correct, a split window. And so I've, I've got that Corvette. Uh, I've got a 67 Corvette. I have several Camaros, still my favorite car. I, I happen to have a small collection, mostly of Camaros. And uh, interestingly, as I get older, the older the car I love. So when I was 19, I loved the muscle cars. Eventually, I got into the 50s. Now my favorite cars are actually from the 20s and the aughts. I love the stuff that was built prior to World War I. What, what car specifically really kind of lights your fire? Well, the car that ignited the passion for pre-wars was a car called a Hein Velo. It's, a, it's an obscure car. Um, prior to World War II, the most expensive car ever built. Um, a V12 engine and a 7,000-pound behemoth that I stumbled upon in my search one day for parts for a different car, and I purchased it. Um, and that really showed me the, the craftsmanship and the artisanship that went into cars prior to World War I. They were hand-built machines. Tell me that story. So you're looking for something else, and then you find this thing. Did you know what it was when you saw it? I had absolutely no clue. Um, I was actually looking for the hood ornament for a 1934 Terraplane. And I was uh, calling everyone in the world, and I found a guy who had one. And uh, I said, I'm going to fly out there. I mean, they were that expensive. Uh, you know, this was a $1,300, $1,400 hood ornament. Um, and I had some other business. I said, I'll just fly out and pick it up. And when I flew out, he showed me this car that he had had from a collection, from the original manufacturer. It was stayed in the family of Gustav Hein uh, since 1921. And uh, so I saw this car, and he explained what it was. And, and I won't say I didn't believe him, but I didn't know enough to understand what it was he was saying. And so I went back and did research on the car and found that it was actually a fairly world-famous car. And at that point, I agreed to purchase the car. And you, you have redone it? You have uh, updated it? Um, that's a long process. I mean, this is a car that... Where, where do you find parts for a car like that? That That's just it. There are no parts for it. You manufacture every piece you need. And we have manufactured some of the pieces. Um, the build of this car, this is easily going to be a 10-year build. Um, and and we've done some, but we haven't really turned up the heat on it because it is such, it's a monstrous build. I mean, uh, I, I have no doubt that this is going to be at least a $250,000 build. You've been on Velocity now with Phantom Works how long? Uh, we have just finished our third year. Okay, so a lot of us are familiar with you for the last three years or so. Go back to the start of Phantom Works. How long ago did you start that, and, and where did you come up with the name? Phantom Works. Um, Phantom Works was created nine years ago. Uh, it was sort of an idea on a napkin to turn out as high-quality restorations as we could come up with the artist to build. Um, and, and I will tell you, it was a money-losing proposition for so many years. Um, the name Phantom Works actually comes from the last industry I worked in. I was a pilot and uh, worked with the Lockheed Martin and the Boeings. And I, I wanted a name for the company that talked R&D. I, I, I'm a big believer in research and development. And 
the the Lockheed Martin Company's R&D cell was called the Skunk Works. And, and interesting name, I don't actually mind it, but most people didn't like the name Skunk Works. Um, there was a Boeing company uh, that had an R&D section called the Phantom Works, uh, spelled differently, two words, and I love the name, and it was sort of a tribute to Boeing, but at the same time doing something completely different. So we changed the spelling, we changed the way the word is constructed, and we became the Phantom Works. Right, Phantom Works usually, or Phantom was spelled with a P-H-A? Yes. Uh, in fact, if you go to Boeing, you will find that it's P-H-A-N-T-O-M space new word works. And we're one word, Phantom Works with an F. Um, and interestingly, I discovered, I'm, I'm not just making words up, Phantom with an F was actually a very, very old English word for ghost. So, so it, we're, we're not exactly making stuff up completely. You ever uh, do a car that's haunted? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. We've, we've done some old cars that people have believed that there were um, uh, things that went on with the car that they didn't understand. So it's, uh -huh. it's just possible we've done a, a haunted car. The whole ghost thing just came to mind. I don't know why uh, I asked that. Uh, so you, you came, so basically what you're saying is you came that close to having the name of Skunk Works as, uh, uh, basically on your header there. Yes, we were we were very close to a, a skunk and, and and our logo, which is now kind of a, a, a bit of a wraith or a, a phantom. I guess in theory it, it was almost at the point where it was a little black and white, uh, you know, a little, little rodent of some sort. So I'm, I'm sort of glad we went the way we did. So you have a logo or you have a little animal or, or some sort of mascot or something? We, we do. It's a face. It's a, it's a, we call it the phantom. And uh, it, it looks uh, a little bit like that Shakespearean, you know that Shakespearean bird uh, character that's kind of a little spooky? The raven? Uh, yeah, sort of. It's a bit of a play on the raven, but it's, it's more of that Shakespearean tragedy face mixed with the raven. So, yeah. Well, there you go. A little background on how Phantom Works was born. I I'm curious to know... You know, you've had a bunch of cars in your past. Of all the cars you've had, is there any one of those you wish you could get back? If somebody said, hey, Dan, I want to do this. Yeah, you want your car back? <laughs> Which one is it? Well, that's where it's really embarrassing for me. You have to ask me first how many of the cars that I've built have I ever sold. Ooh, that's a really good question. All right, wait a minute. <clears throat> so how many cars that you've worked on have you ever sold? Of mine, that would be none. Every car I've ever built, I've kept. I, I'm, I don't get rid of cars. So, so yeah, do I, do I want any of my cars back? The answer is I want them all, and so that was a decision I made before I started building them. If I'm going to sink two years of my life handcrafting a car, no one else will appreciate it as much as I will, so I just built them and I kept them all. So give me a general idea. How many do you have in the garage? Um, a lot. <laughs> uh, more than two, less than 200? There's a good number for you. More than two and less than 200, yes. I, 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 it's a bit of a sickness, and I, I will admit to it. When I build a car, I, I tend to fall in love with the car. Um, now, look, if I'm building you a car, I will still fall in love with your car, but I, but I will deal with my separation anxiety, and I will give you your car back. You're not going to start stalking me or anything like that when I drive to the supermarket or anything. You know, I'm, I'm not going to make any guarantees, but I'm going to do my best not to. But no, when I build a car for me and, and I know that it's going to be mine, um, I can't give it up. I've never actually been able to sell a car that I've uh, built. So I, I've got them all. I've, I've got every one of them. That's, that's just 
Well, you know, that's not actually as mind-boggling as it sounds because I've interviewed people before and I, and I would ask them that question and they just look at me and they say, they say um, I'm sorry, I just don't sell. And, and in fact, I believe Jay Leno, for the most part, has about all the cars he ever bought uh, with the exception of, um, I remember he uh, bought a Dodge Challenger, uh, one of the first Dodge Challengers that came out under the new mode and last year, uh, he ended up selling it at uh, one of the car auctions in Scottsdale for charity, you know that kind of thing. So I, I believe you probably are in good company. Yeah, it, it's it's a personal thing. It's to me cars. It's a little bit like they become a member of the extended family. I would never I would never sell a kid, and I I have those basically similar feelings about the four wheeled vehicles that are in my family. People will sit there and ask about my cars, and I have two. Okay, so it's it's fun, it's enjoyable, and I always they're on my cell phone. The pictures are on the cell phone along with my daughter. It's like, you know, it's my family. It's like, yeah. hey, what about that car? Oh, can, can I see it? Sure, yeah, and I'll show it. Okay, how many, car, how many pictures of your cars are on your cell phone? <laughs> um, if, if you actually looked at the storage on my cell phone, you would find that about 90% of the storage is dedicated just to pictures of cars. How awesome is that? So, yeah, um, I mean, I do have pictures of my my family, but they, I, I it is embarrassingly to to admit that I have far 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 more pictures of the cars. Okay, so you have insert number of total cars that Dan has here, uh, in your various locations of storage. What's the one car, or two, that is on the top of your list of the ones you don't have, but boy, do you want? Wow. Um, yeah, there are some cars that I, I don't yet have. I, I dearly want a 67 Z28. They only built 602 of them. And of course, they're, they're unmarked cars. They don't look like a Z28. They look like a bone stock car. Um, and I would dearly love to add one to my collection. In fact, uh, I would have to say that that's right at the very, very top of my list. You know, I keep thinking you're, you're such a 67 Camaro nut, but the general consensus and I know my wife had one when she was growing up, and every so often we'd look around for one, but you can't find them anymore because they've always been turned into RSs and SSs or 69 Camaros. They seem to be the big one. If you put the 69 against the 67, why, and I'm going to assume this, why do you like the 67 better? The, the 67 um, is, a, is a tougher looking car. The 67, and, and I own a 69, so it's not like I, I dislike them, but I, I find the 69s a little bit too refined. They're a little bit too gentlemanly of a car. Uh, a 67 is still more of like a, a tough car. Like, like if James Dean were going to jump in one of the two of them, it would not be the 69. It'd definitely be the 67. And, and, and that's just the way I've always gone. There's a, there's a slightly tougher more menacing look to a 67, uh, which is the same as a 68 other than the, the wing windows. Um, but yeah, the, the 67 just has that tougher look to it. Last thought as we, as we continue our interview here on Talking About Cars. I, I'm always curious because I've watched your show. I've seen some of the great work you've done and the way you do it. It's different than a lot of people because of just the attitude you bring to it, which is great. I almost want to call it a folksiness, if you will, because you're back east. You're, in, you're not in high pressure Southern California or Florida or anything else. What is the best car story quirkiness from a quirky standpoint, unusual standpoint. I remember one of them that was great was the one where you had the car with the, with the, um, 
the leaves all over it and that whole thing. That was just hysterical. But on that vein or something that just stands out as one of the better car stories you could tell us. Wow, there's... On the show, you've only seen uh, about 60 or so of our builds. We've actually done over 3,000. So, I mean, you know, from a numbers perspective, what you see on the show is actually fairly little. Um, I, I think the quirkiest build we've ever done on the show had to be the Studebaker, um, the Avanti. And, and the reason for it was is um, the owner, just a, a, a wonderful guy, um, and yet he he had this vision that if he just bought enough parts, if he visited enough catalogs, if, if he went to enough shows and picked up enough stuff, the car would just sort of get done. And uh, the irony was, of course, that not only did that not happen, but so many of the things that he bought weren't even compatible with his car. And, and so that was, you know, from, from a perspective of the show, and, and I wish that the shows could go on for like nine hours each so that you can actually see a, a better sampling of what we go through to build these cars. You know, when, when we have to limit a show to one hour, and unfortunately, you know, we're, we're trying to condense war and peace into a pamphlet and saying, here, try and get everything out of it there is. Um, a lot of people are sitting at home going, you know, what's the big deal about a car? They do it in an hour. Exactly. That, and, and that is the part of television and, and builds on the show that are the most difficult to explain to people. Because, you know, when you get the letter that says, well, why didn't you do this? And, and your answer, you really want to give a smart ass answer, but you can't. Um, you know, we spent 1,500 hours on the car and you saw 20 minutes of it. I'm sorry you didn't see the entire build. Um, and so, yeah, with the, with the Studebaker Avanti, we didn't have the time. If we, if we could have turned the Avanti into a mini-series, we didn't have the time to show you just how many parts wouldn't work on that car and how many of them went into a scrap pile or into a, you know, a return pile or something else. So um, that was one. And, and the reason it was just so funny is because he's a car guy that had this belief that parts made the car. And uh, obviously that isn't the case. You, you have to actually build it. Um, and we did get through it, and, and Matt loves the car. Um, he's having the time of his life with it. But, uh, yeah, that was one of those builds that it was just so ironic that, that all the reasons to do the build sort of went out the window, and, and we ended up with a, a different car, I think, than he, than he started looking at. Don't forget, a new season of Phantom Works is on Velocity Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Don't forget to check it out. Hey, if you like what we're doing and you're listening to us on iTunes, please help us out by taking a moment to rate us, write a review, and most important, subscribe to Talking About Cars with Randy Cardoon. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, like us and follow us and spread the word. Let your car friends know all about the great guests and cool stories we have in our Talking About Cars podcast. Also, check out our videos with our partners at Generation Auto. All you have to do, go to YouTube, look up Generation Auto, no space between Generation Auto. It's just kind of like a run-on word. Generation Auto, and you'll find our videos. So until next week, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me next time as we have some fun talking about cars.